Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded, if I may say so, at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of the Fanatic PW's twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out, check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Editor-in-Chief at The Beat at comicsbeat.com, uh, the new site of comics culture. And you can find us on Twitter at, at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher. And on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And please don't forget that you can give us feedback on any of those platforms. Give us a rating. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Don't hit. forget to hit that like button. And just let us know how we're doing because we love to hear from our listeners. And also, uh, apologies this week. We are going through some audio uh, equipment e- equipment evolution. So if we don't sound as crystal and crisp as we have in the past, we do apologize for it. We're full disclosure: the pandemic was not only hard on people; it was hard on audio equipment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, this week on more to come. Comics on Substack. DC's future. MXTX arrives in English. Robin comes out. Comings and goings and exit Wizard World. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Comics on Substack. Do, do I remember a time when they were telling us that newsletters were like were you dead. Know, the passe. I know. Isn't that uh, funny? But now everybody's starting a newsletter, mm-hmm. including comics artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think... Sometimes in tech, there's a confusion between obsolete technology and um, just social trends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so people were acting like there was something inherently outdated, like technologically about the newsletter, when in fact, it was just that it was no longer on trend. Yeah, didn't you watch Bridgerton? I mean, you know, Lady Thistle, Thistlebottom or whatever her name, Whistle Whistleblower. What was her name? Anyway. <laughs> I haven't watched the show, so I can't let, help let you. Lady Whistledown. <laughs> Lady Whistledown. There Everybody was sitting on the edge of their seat waiting for Lady Whistledown's newsletter to come out. Ah. You know? So, and, and you know, and people still are. I've often read from some of my newsletters that I get on here because they're particularly pithy. But anyway, the point is, we talked about this a month ago, a couple months ago. That the word was that comics on Substack were coming, and they are here. Woof, yeah, boy. No. <laughs> they you're started with right. a bang. Yeah, I mean, not only are they here, but the writer of Batman quit to do a Substack comic. The writer of the X-Men looks like he quit to do a Substack comic. Uh, there's seven people who have come out for Substack this week, led by James Tynion IV, who, of course, mm-hmm. we've been talking about for the past year, really has become uh, kind of the... The leading creator, you know, he's um, sort of the trendsetter, I suppose you say, but but not far behind Scott Snyder is yeah. also on it. Um, Saladin Ahmed, mm-hmm. uh, Molly Ostertag, Jonathan yep. Hickman, who is uh, teaming up with Teeny Howard and Ram V. They have a whole bunch of artists uh, with them on although, their projects. To be clear, Scott Snyder's comics are not going to be on That's, Substack. I was about to say, I was about to say, well... Just wait. Well, at the moment. <laughs> Give it time. At the moment. Yes, he announced a, a learning, a course, a teaching course. And mm-hmm. then since this, so Monday morning, this bombshell dropped. Um, 
And then since then, uh, Scotty Young has revealed that he is going to Substack, yeah. and then Chip Zdarsky also said he's going to Substack. And uh, I am told there's as many uh, there's you know. 30, 40 people going to Substack. So yeah. there is more to come. And now they, I assume they all have different kinds of deals. Well, I mean, Substack oh, is sort of known for yeah. having a pro level that they are kind of, you know, bankrolling. Well, what were you going to say, Kate? What were you going to say? What I was going to say is that part of the negative feedback Substack has gotten in the past was that it was they were not transparent about which creators they were paying and which mm-hmm. ones were just being paid by the Substack model. But that doesn't seem to be going on with the comics because the comics artists have been pretty transparent about the fact that they are being paid by Substack. They're pretty... And they're getting a very good deal. They're pretty open. I mm-hmm. mean, basically, everybody has put out a newsletter. You know, Tinyan, um, Snyder, Starsky. Yeah. And basically, what the so the newsletters have a similar message, which is, woohoo, I got some money! I got some money! <laughs> oh, that's woohoo! The, when it comes to comics artists, you can blame them. <laughs> well, I mean, they were making good money writing Batman, you know. I well, mean, but if you made good money writing Batman, and you're like, woohoo, about Substack, then Substack must be praying relatively well. And the other part of the deal that you do not get with Batman, uh, as witness all the uh, recent complaints about $5,000 and a pat on the back for your character being in a movie is on Substack, they are being allowed to keep their own IP and all mm-hmm. their print publishing well, rights. Well, let's back up a little bit. Um, we know that, I, and you know, first off, Substack is very controversial and very rightfully yes. so. They Understandably. host a, a lot of, they're, they're uh, you know, they'll host anyone. They do not. Uh, edit the content, and which means that they host a lot of transphobic yes. writers. Um, there's and so they, banished writers. Yes, true. People have been banished from other <laughs> platforms. From that is true. Home on and they yes. also publish people who have not been banished. Yes, oh, yes. yeah, absolutely. And now, fact, and what? But what the criticism, specific criticism, is that they have different models, as you mentioned. And what this seems to be for comics is the the Substack Pro plan, where they, but I'm, you know what? I'm not certain of that. Be, uh, yes, they are. They say that. Okay. In fact, I'm going to read you mm-hmm. the uh, letter from from Hamish McKenzie, who runs, you know, Substack. Uh, he put out a uh, a blog post called "We're Betting on Comics Creators." Uh, that's why we are thrilled to be announcing a major investment in comics creators. There are a few industries where we feel the Substack model could be more game-changing than in comics, where the gap in power and earning potential between publishers and for hire creators is enormous, and where the creator of a story can spawn a nine-figure franchise and take home little more than a standard paycheck. Um, and then he says, these, ind- these creators are supported by Substack Pro packages designed to kickstart going independent and removing the risk of starting a publishing mm-hmm. enterprise. We do that by providing a financial guarantee combined with access to services, support, and community. These packages include upfront grants, design and editing services of the creator's choosing that Substack subsidizes, and monthly stipends to help out with the costs of health insurance. So they're even giving them insurance. Yeah. Um, so what is con- most controversial about Substack is that they have also offered this pro package to uh, writers who are seen as, you know, especially transphobic um, and, you know, just not 
I, like Andrew Sullivan. I would say Andrew Sullivan's probably yeah. the clearest example of that. You know, Greg, mm-hmm. also there's, Glenn, there's worse. Oh, yeah. trust me, there's worse. Well, there's worse, but they did not get the pro package. There's pe- worse people on the platform for sure, well, but they didn't necessarily get but, the subsidy. Okay, but the thing is, and this was the complaint about Substack for writers as opposed to Substack for comic creators, is that it was they were never entirely transparent about who got Correct. a pro package and who didn't. Mm-hmm. So this became bad in two ways. Because it was bad in that people might have inflated opinions of how much money they might get because they see people saying, oh, this is a great deal for me and not knowing that person got the pro package. And also that um, it can be hard to tell whether a controversial writer is being subsidized by Substack Mm -hmm. or not. Correct. Entirely not clear. So... It's pretty clear Andrew Sullivan is getting the pro package. Yes, he's, but, he's mentioned that. He's right. also been said he's confirmed that. Yeah, but there are many other creators on Substack who say far worse. Yes. Who may well have a pro package. It is unclear. Correct. So we will take that as given and as background sure. and move on. But I, I, I just – I will say it isn't clear, and they should have more clarity about it. Yeah. And – they you should, know, then, but there are definitely people who have come s- out and said, "No, I don't have the, mm-hmm. the pro package." So, I yes. mean, there's a lot of, I, I, you know, we were talking about this before we went on the air. There's a lot of accusation going on there, and um, that's, you know, suspicion. But, but I mean, they they platform them. I mean, they platform mm-hmm. Graham Linehan, and he's become a raving lunatic. You know, an absolute nutter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, you know, I don't think he posts often enough to have. If he has a pro package. Uh, yeah, uh, but I, I don't believe he does because he only posts like once right. every but five months. Or when something. it comes to comics, yes. When it comes to comics, so far they have been relatively transparent Correct. about the fact that these are pro packages. Correct. Uh, have you seen any of these comics? No, they haven't yeah, come they out haven't really yet. Come out they out. just started. Oh, and the other thing that was controversial about it is that it was confirmed. You know, I think with the first time we talked about this, that we were. Um, suspicious because Nick Spencer was seemed to be the liaison, and you know he has a pretty checkered past, yes. uh, you know, up and down. And I will say that is confirmed that this was Nick Spencer's idea. He went to Substack and got them interested in this, and I would say that mm. is obviously yeah, part mm. and parcel of why this is so problematic. Because obviously, you know, Nick has sort of been canceled by some people semi he's he's in a twilight zone he's in a the interstellar zone i'll say this about nick spencer i don't know whether he should be canceled or not but i certainly have no interest in reading his comics unlike a lot of other people who are coming on to substack now the thing is it's all very well for people who are not trying to support themselves on comics to uh morally judge people who are taking a substack pro package but there's a very blurry ground when it comes to tech companies hosting content, whether one should look at them as a publisher or a platform. Um, and like I've said, a lot of different things are on Substack. And, you know, it's hard for comic creators to make money. Yeah. It's not impossible, but it is hard. And so I don't know that I blame any of these creators for taking that deal. I don't, well, well, I, no. I don't, 
Well, I don't we, we certainly seem to be in the moment that, that Substack has kind of entered the arena as another option. And there's certainly a lot more options now for comics artists than almost any independent artist yeah, I now would comp- than ever before. I would compare Substack most closely to Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Because yes, it's very similar. It's, because it's like it's Patreon a, with a newsletter. Right, exactly. It's, um, but you know, Patreon is a newsletter, actually. Like, when yeah, you put up a Patreon post, you get... Yeah, but mm-hmm. a Patreon yeah. newsletter is the kind of quality of newsletter... Right. Uh, <sighs> newsletter infrastructure... Uh, and clickability that you get with like a newsletter that's a afterthought. Like if I were trying to put out a newsletter, I wouldn't use Patreon to do it. I'd be like, subscribe to my Patreon and you'll get my newsletter. And then I'd use Mailchimp, yeah, because Patreon. So uh, you know, a lot of creators are are aware of the of the problematic nature of being on Substack, and um, it doesn't sound like like they say they're taking their profits. Molly Ostertag has announced she's taking her profits and. Um, uh, donating them to a queer um, uh, charity. Uh, Chip Zdarsky has said that he also will be mm. donating his profits. Now, given uh, that James Tinian is himself queer, I think yes. he thinks that he is the queer charity he is donating <laughs> the well, profits he, to. Well, no, he wrote, he actually, he wrote a big long thing about that, actually, uh, and addressed this. And, you know, he just said, uh, you know, and I interviewed Scott Snyder. Scott really wanted to talk about um, his, his mm-hmm. writing course, and uh, we talked. And I asked him, and he just said he's aware of it, and he wants them to do better. But at the end of the day, they thought they could do more good than harm by being on this platform. And, um, you know, one other thing that I'm hearing, um, you know, Chip Zdarsky just said, you know, that's it. I'm out of social media. Um, You know, people are sick of social media. (laughs) Um, And they're just sick of the, 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 you know, the wear and tear and the... The constant, the constant well, vigilance. Well, it surprise me that the artists are because you know it's sort of a, it's like this minefield, uh-huh. you know, uh, that it's uh, and uh, and its demands on you uh-huh. uh, equal any kind of benefit you get out of it. So. Yeah, and the thing about things like specifically Twitter, mm, yeah, to a lesser degree Tumblr, but specifically Twitter, is that it is designed for discoverability. So that can be good, but that is also its curse. So it means if you're talking about something that turns out to be controversial to someone completely way over on the other side of the internet, they will immediately trip over you now as opposed to three months from now. And so you will get sea lioned. Um, people who you don't know who don't know you will suddenly blast you. Yeah, sure. Whereas if it's you know a different model, such as a newsletter or even someone's on website or even someone's on Facebook like people have to be looking for you to find you they're not going to just trip over you because of what you're talking about through a search algorithm mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well it's it's um it seems like you know this broke on Monday we're talking on Thursday evening um by Tuesday morning everybody woke up and was like woo woo I got a lot of money I mean like like Tiny Ann and Snyder were shocked by how many subscriptions they had and you know it surpassed their wildest dreams and yeah and listen like Snyder particularly he's doing a 12 week writing course it's $7 a week or $75 I mean that's yeah. less than Gotham Writers Workshop I mean that's a good deal you know he's taught at Columbia Sarah sure. Lawrence I mean he's a great teacher well mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any feedback on it though there may not be feedback on on what on the, the it, yeah that it's, it's the equivalent that... of like mm. reading a book or taking like a a great courses audio course where like 
you're hearing from the teacher, but the teacher's not hearing from you. Correct. That's right. But he did say that one of the reasons he wanted, like, with Substack, you do have comments. Mm. You do have, you do have interaction with your audience on Substack. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's more controlled yeah. than Twitter. It's just people who subscribe can comment. Not every passing internet troll can yes, come in can and, come in and, disrupt, and your disrupt your evening. Yeah. 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 And ruin things. So, yeah. um, there are a number of websites that I like very much that have unmoderated comments where like I will just not read the comments on anything on those websites anymore. Yeah. Which is a shame because good comments are great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh I mean, I don't I don't blame them for doing it. No. No, I, I don't either. And it's a fascinating new uh once again new option uh for independent artists of all kind. Mm-hmm. Uh I, obviously, we're all interested in seeing what the comics actually would look like on there. Is it going to be a vertical scroll of some kind? Do you, is it a link that takes you somewhere else? Uh, I, I don't know, but whatever. Do you have to get an app? Maybe that. <laughs> but uh, you know, I imagine th- we'll find out. This is just yeah. This is just you know, curiosity and, and spec- speculation. But yeah, I think it's exciting, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, first I, I said this to a couple people, but. Um, you know, the time we've been doing this podcast, which is what we figure ten. Have we been doing this ten years? Ten years. Yes, this yes. Is it's our tenth years. year. Yes. We were going to have a big tenth anniversary episode <laughs> party. We're still going to have it someday. Uh, but yes, we're celebrating ten years. We are uh, of doing more to come. And how many times have we heard, you know, some some pipe dream of Apple's going to buy this or Amazon's going to buy that. Yeah, you know, Pingham Random House is going to go into get into the direct market. Right, but I know, but I mean, but that just happened. But I'm just saying, over the years, that actually happened. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, we have heard, oh, maybe Amazon's going to do this or maybe Netflix is, you know, there's this, I mean, I've talked to enough creators, it's just, you know, this, this pipe, this dream that some big tech company is going to just throw tons of money at comics, and it finally happened. Yeah, good. It yeah. finally happened that the hottest platform, the hot new thing, yeah, decided, yeah. like Hamish said, we're betting on comics. So like, how do you make a large, a small fortune in comics? <laughs> well, Start that joke had to come back, come around fortune. at some point. Yes. Well, but <laughs> I think a little bit different than the how to make how to lose a fortune in comics model <laughs> is that. Um, part of what Substack is is going to do when um, Scott Snyder was talking about it is that he just gets a way larger cut than he does with a comic company because mm-hmm. he's not paying for all that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that even just giving a pro packet to these creators, Substack is gambling a hell of a lot less than someone opening up an office and starting a publishing company. Yeah, but I, you know, we did not have this on our story list, but um, there was that story that you alluded to, Kate. Um, that was our former writer Sam Thalman wrote oh, yeah. for mm-hmm. The Guardian. Um, he's so proud of him. He's so good. Anyway, I'll just read the headline: Marvel and DC face backlash over pay. They sent a thank you note and five thousand dollars. The movie made one billion dollars. So they, you know, this is a. There was a story of the Hollywood Reporter about mm-hmm. how people, you know, when they make the movie, they don't get that much. They don't get that much money. Um, the shut up money. The shut up money. The shut up money. But it's you know it doesn't take too much to get people to shut up apparently. But there is. But they're not shutting up. So but I there guess is, they miscalculated. Right. But there's growing unrest over the low level of money that they're getting. Now, if yeah. you saw Suicide Squad, 
they had about 40 names at the end. So, you know, I don't know. They're not going to pay them $40 million. <laughs> That's the future. No, and, but, but they, gave, the they did give, wait, but they gave John Ostrander a speaking role. So he would be like Ed Brubaker. He's going to get, get residuals, residuals for that movie. You know, of course, it didn't make that much money, but he's still going to get, you know, his SAG residuals from The Suicide Squad. And that, I'm sure that's why they had him say something. Mm. I'm mm. sure that's why they gave him a line. Is so, And why they gave Jim Starlin a line mm. in mm. Endgame. So. Yeah. It's a way of giving him money without having to spend much without, up front. Yeah. yeah. But also, um, you know, sometimes people in the, in the comments, of course, I shouldn't read the comments, but on the beat, things are moderately moderated, so I do read the comments. Yes, uh, you do. <laughs> you know, some people would wade in and be like, oh, well, it's work for hire, and they knew what they were signing on for, and rah, rah, rah. Uh, But rah, it's rah, like, rah, rah, rah. yeah, they did, but that doesn't mean it was a good situation or that that's the situation people want going forward. Uh-huh, yeah. And there's also, um, you know, Disney's facing so much embarrassment over <clears throat> the Scarlett Johansson um, situation. Yeah, a lawsuit. You know, it is shut up money. They don't want to look bad. They don't. I've always said, you know, their nightmare is some old, you know, decrepit comics creator standing up in Hall H and screaming, you know, yelling, where's my money? Yeah. You know, and that's why. Someone ought to. Yeah, someone ought, but they don't. They do pay them, you see. Right. But now they're kind of doing the equivalent of that. But they got. On. Well. I mean, I'm saying they. They thought they were paying enough, but they, they given were not. all the yeah, amounts now they, yes. of money. These movies make so much money. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of hard, these little small sums. $5,000 and a ticket. Yeah. And, so, of course, it, 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 I think it does depend. I mean, some of the people we're talking about, I mean, if we talk about Ed Brubaker, I mean, he created a very significant or yeah. revitalized yeah. a very significant character much. that's now kind of really a, a tent-opposed ca- character. It. The Witcher Soldier. So, I mean, really? If this guy doesn't deserve a bigger check, no. who does? I mean, well, but I mean, Ed's anecdotes were priceless. It was like, you know, he went to the premiere in a tuxedo and there <laughs> wasn't no ticket, so he had to text Sebastian Stan to get in. I mean, it's he, like not yet. Oh, it's that's not... so humiliating. But anyway, <laughs> given that humiliation and the past, given the, the rich tapestry of humiliation that comics creators have, have faced over the years, there is no reason why. They shouldn't take this Substack money, and you know, oh, of course. and they're all, you know, they're all addressing it, and you know, the fact they they know that it's problematic, but they just, um, you know, I, I. So, so can we look forward to a future of our email, our, our email boxes being jammed with oh, new buddy, newsletters? Don't you get a lot of Substack? I mean, I was already subscribing to a bunch of. Free I, actually, ones. I don't. I don't really subscribe to any, but I still get a lot of newsletters anyway. Mm. But um, I don't. I haven't, I'm not really subscribed. Well, to Everyone I buy a matcha but latte I, I from be. tries to sell me a newsletter. Yes, that's I it. I will be, you know, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Maybe I'll just set up an email account just to get my newsletters. Well, uh, we were actually talking about that at the beat, like yeah. having a special email account where we can all read it. You just read Just go to one place <laughs> anyway, and read them all. Anyway, you that. We're not that cheap. Yeah. But, you know, they add up. I mean, if it's $75 a year for all of these. Right, yeah. You know, and if there's going to be 40 people, do the math. That's a lot of money. Um, I'm not going to do all 40. <laughs> all right. Uh, more to come on Substack? More to... All right. Oh, most definitely. Oh. All right. And, um... and, you know, one last thing that just occurred to me. I mean, I had kind of mentioned, but I do wonder if, given some of the blowback that they've gotten from the LGBTQ community, if Substack specifically highlighted James Tinian as one of the biggest 
openly queer comic creators working today as their their tentpole creator I, I do wonder I think they probably thought of that I think they probably um, targeted him because he was the hottest writer well, in they, comics but I mean I'm sure he was on a list of the hottest writers but they I don't think it was a PR accident mm. I don't you know what James maybe Molly Ostertag more so Mm. And their initial announcement having Molly Ostertag and Salad and Ahmed, mm. definitely it that seems was more yeah. sort of you know, and James too. James, you know, also, queer standard yeah. bearers. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, just and, and of course, really notable comics creators as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. I'm not saying, oh, you only got this deal because no, they would have hired him no matter what. Exactly. But I'm just yeah. saying, yeah. which Doesn't names hurt. they mention first, it could be PR. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, there's so much news this week. Oof. Um. So, what else is <laughs> what's gonna, next? And we're going to talk about DC's future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we finally got some commentary. Um. Well, I guess from the from the you know from the 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 two people I guess most entrusted with talking about DC that's Jim Lee and uh, Dan Dan Cherry. Uh, and there was a a long and interesting article in uh, the Hollywood Reporter and the Beat. Obviously, you did mm-hmm. your coverage. As well, so it, it, it was an interesting article. Um, they certainly addressed some of the things, but uh, it, they seem to uh, address them at length. Um, there seemed to be more commentary about the future of, of comics, you know, um, at Warner Media and whatever entity mm-hmm. uh, uh, will own it. And um, uh, you know, I, it, I mean, every one of the things that you know people have been kind of worried about over the last, you know six months or or so came up and we can decide for ourselves how satisfying the answers are. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, there was some mention of uh, getting a new distributor distributor without really going into any details, nor talking about uh, any of the things that we've heard back about how that, how that's working out. Yeah. They didn't go into any details. They didn't go into any detail. At all. There was no, you know, there um, weren't too many bombshells in this. Well, uh, I don't know. I think there was a bombshell. <gasps> yeah, but yeah. I think okay. there was a bombshell where they're saying things like, <clears throat> here's here's a direct quote. Um, we do listen. We listen not just to the core, but also the casual fan and want to have product to meet them both. It's our job to keep it vibrant and expand it through new channels. Mobile, digital, and global are really important for the next generation of fans. There are a lot of young fans who don't have a history of going to comic shops so how do you meet them where they are how do you build that bridge it may be with content which is easiest to find which is on their phone yes I agree they are telegraphing pretty heavily mm-hmm. that they're looking at the mobile comics format yeah, that's absolutely. what it sounds like yeah, yeah. And, I, I and, agree and with they'd that they'd be crazy if they weren't yeah right um, well I mean I am I am a co-host of this podcast right I have a regular comic store that I go to where I know what comics I'm going to look at and I still the comics I have been reading most often in the last two months have been on mobile comics apps because it's just so much easier to get yeah it, it's, it's just much more impulse driven yeah and I mean uh, you know. more even than Kindle it's just Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Seamless, mm-hmm. absolutely. And 
Yeah. Yeah, they'd be leaving money on the table if they weren't thinking about well, it. Well, I said, I, I said on this very podcast uh, last year when Diamond shut down, um, I said, you know, they were talking about going digital. I said, if they won't really want to go digital, they should go on Webtoons. Do it like, you know, that style. And that's if they're for I the agree. readers. Now, that's a, it's such a dramatic difference in, in the visual storytelling. And well, I think that's going to be that that's going to be a tough road for them to negotiate. Not necessarily. Because <laughs> okay, listen, listen. that may be the case. Well, yeah, yeah, go on. Here, here are my thoughts. No, here I are didn't. my thoughts. Pretty much, having now read a lot of these, mm, yeah, a lot of the time, if you could take those same panels except for a giant spread, and you could just give it to an editor to to just separate all the panel, 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 and instead of them being arranged on the page, they just follow each other in the infinite scroll. Like, it it would take a little bit of work, but and it would eventually, over time, affect the end product because things would start off as page-native and end up with, as scroll-native, but it's very, very doable. It's very doable. I've seen it done. Just look at Laura Olympus. It's yeah, that very exactly. thing. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying that this it's so counter to DC's entire existence and manner of just telling, well, telling Calvin, stories. Calvin. That doesn't mean that they that doesn't mean that they can't make the tra- the, the transition because they're going to have to. Uh, they're going to have to come up with some way. Oh. And I'm sure they're experimenting with it now. I, yeah. All I'm saying is it's going to be a shock to the system. Yeah. Well, well here's the well, wait, 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 wait. Excuse me. Could I just say this? Mm-hmm. You know, if we had this conversation five years ago, we would have said that, oh, DC will never do kids' comics. And now they put out like I 20 have said every... That. I know. But, I mean, they were very, very hostile to doing kids' comics. And now they're doing all these kids' graphic novels. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. that's a whole new... Or, you know, right. or we could do the whole book format for yeah. that matter. And things... So, it, there's a learning curve. Absolutely. There's a learning curve because, like, five years ago, when a lot of these webtoon apps came into the English language market, it wasn't seamless. It was clumsy. I tried them. I dropped them for a reason. But after that learning curve, they stuck it out. And now it's great. And so DC, for them, it may well be a five-year learning curve for them if they can't learn the lessons of others quickly. But like like with the comic, the children's comics and the the middle reader comics, like it, it commercially it looks like it's a good gamble. Well, Daniel yeah. Cherry's definitely curious. Yeah. He's yeah, web yeah. curious, and he's yes, and he's a digital. <laughs> oh, guy, he's more than so, curious. You know, it says absolutely. He's yeah, he is a digital guy. Um, he's more than curious. He's planning. Um, he says when you think of digital as an extension of the passion we have the core market it's not a replacement of the physical book it's a way to create an on-ramp it's a way to accelerate fandom but you know this is what's key about that though is they tried to do the digit you know they tried to do digital first comics they were trying really hard uh earlier you know they remember they were going to do milestone as digital first they are the, doing milestone as digital but the, first. no they're not it's coming out in print they changed well they never said that they weren't coming out in print that's they, why it's called digital first, first yeah, but, but, not only. But, but yeah but no they were going to do digital and then like a month later they were mm. going to collect it and now it's coming out in period no because retailers the retail of course but yeah. I, but nobody nobody look i'm just saying the the format. I'm sorry, Chip, if you're listening. You probably are, Chip. So I'm sorry. Okay, but the digital periodical comic is not like you're not going to get droves of people, well, and, they, and they discovered it because the sales were not what they hoped they would right, be. Right, because 
they were looking around and the whole industry was looking around for the most sticky way of getting a digital comic into hands. And a digital quote-unquote issue isn't really yet because it's not well formatted for a phone. But the Webtoon format, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And so it yeah, may be is, stickier. Yeah. I think it will be. I think so, too. Well, it's certainly sticky for its for for the a stuff that's generation, already on it. Yeah, uh, for a certain generation that, that that sort of expects everything to be on their phone. Um, I mean, I I dip into webtoons. I don't. I can't say that I read them regularly. I'm going to up my amount of comics reading. Um, I'm usually more experimental and just kind of looking through as opposed to really following a lot of comics on it. Um, uh, but that's just me. That's my. You know, I I still default to. I default to, to print and I, and then I default to comiXology when I'm really behind and need something really quickly to read because I have to read it. Um, yeah. So this is a whole other, this is, you know, we're in a, a particularly interesting time now and, um, all of the stuff, everything's changing. Everything's changing. Yeah. And we've already Everything gone through a lot changing. of change and yeah. there's really more coming. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so that, that's true. I'm trying to think if there was something else in this, uh, Jim Lee. Uh, I mean, Dan it was Cherry just that. Was, I mean, it was kind of just that they came out and were alive. I mean, yeah, you and know, I will say this: I, I don't. I mean, they were certainly uh, aggressive and uh, passionate in talking about the future of comics mm-hmm. at Under Warner Media, and they want they they clearly wanted to make it under no certain under no circumstances were comics going to be done away with no, by them. No, uh, so they wanted to make sure that that was clear. Uh, and 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 understood. And so. you know, I just I I just think it's so important um, yeah. because a lot of people talked about you just going back to the Substack thing for a moment. You know, I think it was the pandemic shutdown. It was the diamond yeah. shutdown that really made everyone go, "I need a plan B." Yeah, right. And, and not just a plan B, but a plan do C, I li- well, not like that, but do I like my plan A anymore? Right. Is yeah. this actually what I want to continue to do? Exactly. And, you know, Diamond really created their own downfall when they did that. Well, yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of it Diamond. It really made people realize what happens if they, they can't distribute our, our stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, they're yeah. Diamond's new president. Well, that's Diamond Books. Diamond, Diamond Books. Books. But Diamond even Books, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, Although Diamond Books was affected by the shutdown, too. It was. Too. Yeah. It was. Um, so, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Yeah. Uh, in in any event, um, uh, DC in the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're they're uh, working to. Uh, yeah. They allowed Jim and uh, Daniel Cherry to go out yes. and speak in public and not say anything very much. But you know, if you're a criminologist like us, you glean every sentence there and was, you figure out what they. That was a significant thing. Yeah. Yeah. You just needed to look for it. Yeah. So anyway, all right. So they let him up from time to so time. Okay, to the Hollywood you Reporter. had something you've been have... jumping up and down to talk yes. about. So there is a media property, which were suite of media properties that I have been telling Calvin and Heidi about for a year, and both of them <laughs> yes. had the glazed look in their eyes of. I don't get it, but it sounds like you're into it. <laughs> right. I, I, uh, that's too long for me to read. I'm either really happy for you or sorry. Look. Um, right. Hey, listen. I want to say, Kate, 
told us the first about check please Absolutely. she was the first to tell us about fences she's yep, been yep. The, she's totally what what kate speaks there we, we listen we do listen we listen <laughs> i i i told them it was huge it's still huge now listeners you may well ask yourself what does this have to do with graphic novels but keep listening it will start to make sense. So, Seven Seas, known for publishing manga, primarily a publisher of manga, has made a very big announcement indeed. They announced, as their very special announcement on their Twitter, which went big, trending across Twitter, was that they got the English language publishing rights to not one but all three of the novels of the Chinese novelist Mojang Tongju otherwise known as MXTX um, these are if you've, if you've watched these on Netflix the adaptations this is Heaven Official's Blessing um, the novels that inspired The Untamed otherwise known as Modao Zushi, and then not as ad adapted, but her first novel, uh, the humor piece, uh, Scum Villain's Self-Saving System. <laughs> Great titles. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're, all, they're all designed to go viral because she started them all as web novels, yeah. and it shows in the titling. Um, so even before they had official translations, they are... Danmei novels, which is a Chinese genre of, some people call it boys love, some call it gay genre fiction. Um, it's not exactly a one for one with Yao or boys love. It's its own thing. Hmm. Um, where it's a new flavor? It's a new flavor. Hmm. Uh, and and her, her books are first and foremost fantasy novels. Hmm. And then have the primary love story being gay. But they have, you know, massive cast of characters, lots of world building. Fandom eats it up with a spoon in many, 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 many languages. Uh, I am not, I don't think, sharing any secrets when I say that I am a fan fiction person. And it is has been consistently the biggest fandom in English, a language that the book didn't even officially come wow. out in yeah. for wow. two years. Wow. All right. Um, now, is there manga? There say is there's anime, but is there, is there manga? There's a manga. There's a manga of, uh, of Heaven Official's Blessing and of uh, Modao Zushi, a.k.a. Grandmaster of cult Demonic Cultivation. Um variously translated as a title and uh, I think they've started on the comic of Scum Villain but I haven't seen a translation of it coming out yet anywhere unofficially um, but like this is a huge property and I was wondering why the comic of it was languishing on this teeny tiny mobile comics uh, app called We Comics that um, it's it's kind of the uh, 
I wouldn't even call it the Apple Plus or the <laughs> HBO Max of. I think I used to have it for a while. Yeah, comics. I think so. I, it's it's more like the Paramount Plus <laughs> of mobile comics. <laughs> That's if it. that, it might be more like the CBS subscription app. Oh it's <laughs> is it the Tubi? No, it's no Tubi's free. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's not. No insult intended to We yeah. Comics. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, we Comics is is not. There's nothing wrong with it specifically. So it's you're just saying lesser known, but it's, it's so a, so. This this, this property a, has been the manga has been exclusive to We Comics. It's been exclusive to hmm. We Comics, uh, a the comic platform that is not very big in the United States. And I was wondering why I was languishing there, and it turns out that it's owned by Tencent, the uh, uh, Chinese publisher uh, of the comic. Yeah, and so. I was like, this is a license to print money. Why is it languishing there? And I was right that it was a, a license to print money because when Seven Seas announced that they had licensed these three books and that the first volumes were all coming out in December and people could pre-order them immediately in print in English, it literally shot to the top of the Barnes & Noble chart. <laughs> Not just in pre-orders, but across the board. Really? And wow. on Amazon, it shot to the top of the pre-order charts. Wow. All three books. Uh-huh. Um, which is huge. Not the top of the genre or the top of the LGBT, the top of all pre-orders mm-hmm. of anything in English for an author whose books had never been officially translated wow. into English. Mm, okay. Well, they're, they're, they're waiting. The audience the, is waiting. The money is there. Yeah. And Seven Seas sees it. And Seven Seas mm-hmm. is known for publishing comics. And this is a flag bearer, not just for Dan May, which is, you know, its own genre, which is mm-hmm. slowly rising through the ranks. It's a flag bearer for Chinese comics. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> if if Seven Seas, I would bet money that right now they are trying to convince Tencent to let the print edition of these comics come out from them. To mm. say, sure, bring out the digital on your app, no problem, can we have the print rights? Mm. And I think they're going to get it. And I think that they are, I think the first big hit Chinese language original comics coming out in English are going to be um, through Seven Seas. MXTX. They're going to be. MXTX. They're going to. They're going to lead with an MXTX one, and then they're going to to branch out from there into other other Chinese uh, web comics coming into print because here. it's a, there's a there's a lot there's, there's a, a lot there's a couple of different comp- companies that are that are bringing these uh these these comics you know i think we i can't remember the name of it but we said hank canals formerly of dc is the the vp of publishing at one oh, of these companies right, yeah. Yeah. yeah um but but yeah. that a lot of these have been coming out coming to the united states first in these mobile platforms which is mm-hmm. good right because mm-hmm. there's a lot of chinese there's a lot of Comics platforms that are Chinese right. uh, software, and you but know they're e- smaller. Even um, ones that aren't, yeah. Like there are Chinese original comics from Kwaikan and a number of other ones, which are coming out on Webtoon and Tapas and all all the big. But yeah, what I'm saying is this is the bridgehead. 
You heard it right. here first. Okay. Seven Seas is going to get big into Chinese comics. Okay, yeah. there you go. Uh, d- d- good, good report. And um, I'm sure you're sure you're right. Like yeah. I said, listen, we listen to Kate. But Calvin, I just read in Publishers Weekly that <laughs> Manhwa, the Korean comics format, is on the rise. How about that? Oh yes. Well, it's uh, that's you know that's absolutely the case, uh, Heidi. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> Bridget Alveson actually has uh, a story uh, at publishersweekly.com slash comics uh, really about the growing popularity of, 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 man- of manhwa or Korean comics uh, in in North America. Uh, now, it's th- I mean, this is something that's kind of been a slow burn and or a slow bill. Certainly, um, I think the first time uh, here at PW that we wrote anything about Korean comics was probably... 2006, 2007, Kai Ming Cha, of Mm, course, who uh, was doing that. But but at the moment, we do seem to be in a moment where uh, there's a wide variety. uh, Really, well, there is a wide variety of both, you know, genre and kind of more literary oriented comics coming out of Korea. Um, Particularly, certain publishers, the the story focuses on um, Iron Circus uh, comics. Uh, uh, drawn in quarterly, in particular. Um, yeah, drawn in quarterly is very big on uh, the art side, obviously of that. But uh, you know, uh, they have books and like they have quite a few, like um, Grass, um, uh, Moms, Uncomfortably Happy, ha- uh, Happily. Oh and, yeah. You know, I mean, I'll just say, Mon was really come a long way. I right. mean, it oh, really yeah. has has um, you know, Korean artists have really come into their own over the last fifteen years. Yeah. And um, they're. There's a great a band book club. I mean, we love that book. Ben, absolutely that, that, love that really that is that an book. amazing book. Kim Hyung Sok, Sook the is the author. Um, yeah. So and yeah, what on. we were saying earlier about mobile comics all feeds into this because yeah. yes. there's a vast amount of of stuff that's hugely popular on these in English now, legitimately available, which is manhwa. Yeah, and I mean, part of what the article points out is that you know. There's a kind of a a, a print renaissance going on. Well, yeah, where, the whole thing. I mean, it all uh, feeds know, into the, each other. The Korean comics have been it really have been um, uh, making their way in the American market in many ways. Uh, you know, starting with net comics way back in the day, uh, and now webtoon and tapas media uh, and these other you know uh, online platforms. So, yeah. but um, it, and one feeds the awareness of the other. Absolutely, and it's it's bringing it to the fore. Yeah, and um, so anyway, and it's very, a great. It, there is a great range of material, so yeah. that really is something. Yeah, to I do. Re- so. I love. I I do think Drawn and Quarterly has really like the Korean oh, comics they've doubt. published. Oh, yes. they've got a list of really, really great, really. including as you mentioned, Grass, and and uh, the author has a new happy. book coming out. I love that book, uh, The Waiting. Yeah, that, uh, um, and I hadn't read Grass and finally did, which is really it's really a, a really powerful book. Uh, so yeah, so go to publisherswiki dot com slash comics and. You know, learn a little bit about what's happening in Manwa. Well, ex- exactly. So also, um, and, uh, you know, we were just talking about Dan Mai, the new flavor of uh, boys, the Chinese flavor, Chinese version. But uh, there was a big movement in American queer comics this week, right, Kate? Oh, yes. So I'm not going to say that this is a first, but I am going to say that this is significant. So... There have been mainstream superhero comic characters who are not straight. Batwoman, for example. Renee Montoya. But they were not exactly 
They weren't. They weren't already huge names. I mean, they were not huge. Was a very obscure character who they they rescued from. Like she was only known from like the golden age, right? And they made her. They basically reimagined the character. Isn't that woman and Renee Montoya dating? At one point, okay. At one point, Uh, and whereas Renee Montoya (laughs) has always been a supporting character (laughs) and was not rebooted, remained supporting character, and also, oh, by the way, she's not straight. Yeah. So uh, all of which is fine, all of which is good, and there are a number of which of characters created from the ground up to be queer in one variety or another, also good. But the announcement, well, not even so much the announcement as an issue of a comic, a mainstream comic, not a future world, not an imaginary story, mainstream regular DC continuity. Um, Tim Drake. One of Batman's Robins. <laughs> uh, not the first one, Dick Grayson. Not the second one, Jason Todd. The third R. one, R. Tim Drake. Okay. There's, um, a, there's a few. <laughs> there's a few. Uh, Tim Drake would be, as you might see, say, the uh, the Robin of the 90s and 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, who later sort of ended up Red Robin and various other things, still heavily, heavily involved in the Batverse. Major, major Batman character. Um, has come out as, well, some have said bye. But it, actually, there's been no identification men- mentioned. But in the course of an issue of a comic, uh, the character has a realization that actually he does want to date his friend, who is male. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, his friend um, Bernard Dowd, a pre-existing character who has long been coded queer, um, assumes they were on a date and mentions this to Tim and sort of a not sure if I wanted to be if you wanted to be a date or not, but is it right? <laughs> and Tim has this light bulb moment where he realizes. Yes, actually, I would love it to be a date. This is great. Wow. And only everything in life were that cute and easy. (laughs) Well, I mean, it may cause complications for him going forward. But um, now he has previously also dated women, which is why many people are assuming that he's bi, which is a reasonable assumption. You know, who was the writer on the story? So that's funny that the writer hasn't really come out as the... The main, um, yes, the main so, instigator behind this. Um, well, my guess is that this is the kind of thing that probably a bunch of writers had to talk to each other about in order to yes, get everybody pointed for sure. in the same direction. Um, which book did this happen in? This in what the urban legend? Uh, what is it? Urban Batman, legends. Urban Batman. Legends. Urban legends. So that's why I, when I first saw this news, I was like, "Oh, it's an imaginary story." It's not. But it's not. Well, no, Even it's though not, it's in yeah. a book called Urban Legends, it actually it was not a dream. It's not a hoax. It's not <laughs> it's, a logic. Yeah. What if? It's Megan Fitzmartin. Megan Fitzmartin. Yeah. Wow. Who's that? She got to write this book. This. Yeah. The story of Robin coming out as bi. That's or you know likes yeah. boys. He likes boys. We he know likes that. Boys. He's queer. He's queer. We, he likes boys. He may. He may. His identity probably will be a journey for him. We'll figure out what it is later. I suppose. Yeah. But yes, he's someone who has well, dated that's girls what we're here and for, now journey. is dating a boy. And so the reaction to this 
was, uh, you know, picked up steam as the day went on. And, uh, you know, the Post had, you know, Robin. And, of course, like, if you're a DC fan, you know, like, I, I mean, Dick Grayson is the Robin. I yes, mean, that was the original The original, the first, the first. You know, and in those hilarious whatever they were thinking panels where Robin is sleeping in the same bed as Batman, it was <laughs> Dick Grayson. So yeah. those were satirical or whatever it was. Okay. They were gay jokes. They were gay jokes. <laughs> yes, okay. Yes, they were. So, um, so, okay. I'm glad <laughs> they were funny you were able jokes, to clear that. I'm not saying that they were a bad thing or necessarily homophobic, but they no, were gay jokes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So <laughs> obviously it wasn't, you know, the Batman TV show wasn't the first time that there was a huge, well, there's um, a lot of Batmans these days, too. Right, <laughs> right, right. But anyway, all so, of the headlines, you know, Robin is is bi, Robin is gay, and, um, you know, of course, there was some right-wing pushback on and it, And, of which course, was just a number hilarious. of people immediately assumed this it meant was, he was banging Batman, which, right. no, no, that's not <laughs> what because happened. that's what we've all been waiting for. Yeah, I mean, come on. That <laughs> well, is I mean, that was, that, just, was, just, that was not just, what queer media was saying, I, but that's I, no, definitely no, no, what... Right-wing right. media was sort of eyebrow. Yeah, but I mean, there was like something like, like, like I forget who it was. It was some typical blowhard, you know, Ben Shapiro or somebody, and yeah. was retweeting it. It wasn't Ben Shapiro. It was something know, like that. And it was just like, you know, <laughs> like, like go woke, go broke. You know, DC has no idea what its fans want. It's like you, dude. You have no idea what DC's fans want. You have no they idea. They have what's... been clamoring yeah, this for is... this for so long. Right. Like... And if someone wants a straight Robin, there's you plenty. Have... There's plenty of four there's other Robins to choose from. There's lots of straight Robins. Right. They um, left your precious Dick Grayson yeah. alone. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. but come on. <laughs> this, this, yes, the world is waiting for this. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I mean, also, People think of superhero comics as being primarily male fandom and primarily straight male fandom, but I'm here to tell you that there is a vast number of uh, female and non-binary fans who really, 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 really like their Batman characters. Yes, and have been cheering for a queer Batman character. For a long time, so you and know, got exactly true. what so they wanted. So it was wanted. a short story in this urban legends anthology, but it sounds like they finally did something right. Yeah, and yeah, they, I haven't done seen, things right before, I, but I, I know. One. But I haven't seen anything on Twitter where it was problematic yet, or so far it seems to be like you know they they like, they did it well. So anyway, yeah, cheers done a good to job. you, Tim Drake. And you, Megan Fitzmartin. And Megan Fitzmartin. It's cool that you are honest. Okay, so we still have. We're only halfway through our story list. <laughs> we're not going to blast. We're through not even going to make it through. Um, what is next on our list? Uh, comings and goings. We well, just really quickly. quick. We just wanted to say that Diamond did hire Tony Lutkus, hmm. formerly of Penguin Random House, as the president of Diamond Book Distributors. Yes. They poached um, from the competition. Yes, they did. So and he can give them for good reason. Yes, as he they can should. give them all kinds of good intel about what's going on at Penguin Random House. But I actually heard from two different people how much they like. Tony, hmm. uh, you know, my sources say he's a great guy, very knowledgeable, yeah, yeah. very good hire by but he, Diamond. Yeah, yeah he well, can share enormous, his know-how. It's not so much absolutely just intel as... experience, and as, really, they need someone that that's looking at the possibilities yeah. of the yeah. future. If, if you, when it comes to the modern book distribution market, absolutely. if you can't beat them, join them. That's right, that's right. Well, uh, you know, Random House, Penguin Random House has stolen a lot of people from Diamond, so, you know, so, turn about. And then just a shout out to our, our friend Henry, a friend of the podcast, Henry Barajas, who is uh, hired as at Oni as their sales manager. Yeah. So, uh, you know, him and Alex Segura, another friend of the podcast, are just going to be 
cooking up things. Um, you know, we love Henry and, and absolutely. Congrats. And so you go, Henry. Yeah. Um, but so what else is on our story? Um, list? well, it, that, that brings us to exit wizard world. Oh, oh wow. So, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, fan expo, which is owned by Informa, which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, competitor of Reed. I'd say Reed and Informa are the two biggest event companies in the world. Is that right, Calvin? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying Reed and Informa are the two biggest like business to business event. Oh, companies. probably yeah. No, well, probably so. Probably, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I mean, Reed is big, but I mean they're going through all kinds of conniptions now yeah, because they are. you know, I mean, what their revenue was down like forty yeah. percent. I mean, uh, you know, an exhibition company that can't put on exhibitions, uh, it's a problem. Well, it's been a problem for a lot of companies, but I will say so. Informa owns the Fan Expo brand, which has. Um, it has 11 shows now, including Megacon, which is on right now in COVID-riddled um, Orlando. So I, I'm looking on my Twitter feed while we're talking. I see people posting photos from there, and including William Shatner. So, you know, go with God, <laughs> William Shatner. Um, I hope that? you're vaccinated. Um, cause, yeah. But, I, uh, but anyway, uh, so, so yeah, Fan Expo has... Uh, it's not really – they've acquired, I think is the word they're what, using, the well, Wizard World be, brand of shows. I found it – they wouldn't – I mean, I, I, I went back and forth with the publicists on this. They mm. wouldn't they, – they, 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 they don't want to share the exact details. No, they don't. They don't. Of the agreement. Right. Uh, though they have no problem with you saying – Taken over. Well, they used the word and acquisition. And and relaunch. They did say acquisition with me. Did they? Because they wouldn't say that. Because I, I asked them specifically that. Yeah, everybody did. And they and had... I said, um, you, I said, do you mean you've acquired these six? And they said, well, we don't want to give you the... We don't want to share the exact Well, he, this is what he said. Of the he, he said the exact thing. But his exact words were, I said, are you going to own them? Or are you operating them? And he said... Um, he said, he said, he said, uh, Fan Expo will own the shows as well as operate them. Good. But All beyond right. that, we can't share details of the agreement. So, right. I mean, I, I, I couldn't squeeze that. What else, of, but, but what so else do we good. need to know? Nothing. Yeah. Yes, but they have, they've acquired them. Yes, they, they've acquired them. The, but Wizard World is not. You know, they didn't acquire all of Wizard World. No, I think no, they, that's no, why they're shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Six it's all their the, biggest it's, shows. No, it's all their shows. It's all their mm-hmm. their convention business. That's they're all, not. That is the end. They're there's not. There's nothing doing, else left. No, there's nothing left. Yeah. So I mean, Wizard has in recent months just been doing you know online shows where you pay you know not even shows events so, you know thirty dollars to talk to you know we're Virgil for a minute. Um, you know, and and they've gotten into NFTs and yeah. uh, they a lot of collectibles. I mean, they say that they're going to continue on with their vault, Wizard World Vault, which is basically the warehouse full of all these signed collectibles that they had from the shows that they mm. did put on. So, no, this is this is, this is the end of Wizard World. Yeah. Putting on all those shows are going to be rebranded as Fan Expo. Um, I'm yeah. sure what they they purchased was um you know the contracts that yes, they had true. with the venues um mm-hmm. vendor lists i mean you know there yeah. were definitely some assets that they to acquire but um now they are going to put on a, i guess a final wizard world chicago which well, i guess is the granddaddy yeah, of, maybe. Their, of their yeah. shows well, I, mean, I mean once uh, upon a time wizard world chicago was second only to san that's diego that's right yeah, it was the are, second yeah. biggest show yeah mm-hmm. and yeah. i remember because everyone would leave from San Diego and head to Chicago. That's right. That's right. Uh, and they weren't although, always happy about although it. Although on their front page it says the dates are the um, the fifteenth, the sixteenth, and the twenty seventh of August. So I don't know how 
Serious they are about that. It's a little typo. A little typo. Um, yeah. Um, but, but anyway, yes. I mean, they were circling the drain. They yes. were just, they have, their yeah. shows have been in decline for a long time. Long, long, uh, long This time. did not come as any surprise to people. Um, I think it came as a relief. I mean, I'm yeah. not a big yeah. fan of fan expo shows either. I mean, they're not, you know, but mm. they're professionally run. And they're better run than Wizard World has been in the recent past. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Aman Gupta, who is the... Um, owner, or he, excuse me, he, the president, he runs it, and he was super excited to get the Chicago show. He says he wants to bring (laughs) it back to its, its former glory. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of attention on Chicago. It is the second oldest con, Mm -hmm. uh, still running, uh, sorta kinda. I mean, it's been through several names, but, um, you know, uh, it's the end of an era. Well, I remember when I was a teenager. Oh. Wizard World Philadelphia yes. was the biggest show in this area. Mm-hmm. That's New York yeah, no, I That's had people talk about Wizard before World New York. Yeah. New York had mm-hmm. some rather pathetic cons. Cons that were very Cleveland to be the New York cons. Yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I will not name names, but it reminds you of a fruit. Okay, <laughs> so. Um, and so I had, att- I thought, oh, well, the New York con will be the big con. And I went, and I was like, this is sad. And then I went to Wizard World Philadelphia as, like, I think I was like 17 or 18. And it was great. And it was, it was big. It was a real big city con. It had yeah. a huge floor, lots of exhibitors, lots of publishers. It was not just a nerd liberty show. It was a no, real, not. Those genuine, really... vital Those Comic-Con. first Philadelphia shows were, were fantastic good. because that is a fantastic venue to hold a show. It's just a great facility. And, and it has all, you know me, I just go on lots of bathrooms, lots of food, transportation. <laughs> you could, you yeah, could have right. a really good East yeah. Coast Comic-Con mm-hmm. there. And I hope someone does. Maybe and Fan I, Expo I think will. I went to, you know, I went for the first few years and then just started going downhill. And then, like, I went back like a few, like yeah. maybe eight years ago for just like the afternoon. And it was just so like, you know, denuded. Yeah. I, you know, I will say those early Wizard Worlds, there was a lot of controversy. They were run by the Seamuses, the mm. brothers, Scarab and Steven, who had run, put out Wizard Magazine. And there was a lot of controversy because they were a cutthroat. Remember, remember when they were going to put on a show in New York on the very same weekend as New York Comic Con. Remember that? Yeah, and that didn't go yeah. well. No, it didn't happen. It, um, but I mean, that's like that. They were so aggressive. Well, yeah, about because, their dates, and also because they saw New York Comic Con rightly as their as the people who took their audience from Philly. Which well, it wasn't. Did. It wasn't Philly. It was Chicago. Because no, no, well, no, no, no. Listen to me. What I'm saying is that. The same people who went to Wizard World Philly, the audience, not the professionals, the, the attendees, the attendees, the, 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 they the became yeah. Yeah, the fans went to New York Comic Con instead. Kate, actually, I mean, you're not wrong. However, what the real source of the war was, and Calvin and I were there for it, mm-hmm. is that after the first New York Comic Con, all the publishers were loved it so much, and they went to Read Pop, and they said, "Great, now do Chicago." Because yes, they, they were did. so sick of Wizard World Chicago, yes. and they said we want a show in downtown Chicago, and they 
and that's I People mean to be really sick to of that really started the con war. And to be that fair, started the con war. That's when the con yeah, wars really ratcheted up. Yeah. And the Seamus, oh, that's when they announced that they were going to do the show the same, and that didn't happen. And you know, look, they're controversial, and people are going to shoot me for saying this, but there was a passion for the medium that the Seamuses had, and Garrup had, and Stephen had that the current world was a world hasn't had in years. And yes. you know what? Those early shows were. Fantastic. They filled a need. They were and, they were a blast. And they were a blast. I'll say it right now. Whatever they, were they became in time, for a while they were good shows, and for those we are grateful. Yes, exactly. And maybe they'll be great shows under Fan Expo. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I don't think Fan Expo necessarily puts on great shows by our standards, but um, they'll be better. They'll be more professionally run. So mm-hmm. yeah, Sayonara Wizard World. It was, um, and of course, it was, a time. was launching a new show in San Francisco. Yes. Brand new one. Um, and now, I, okay, talk about Philadelphia. You know, Reed tried to go into Philadelphia with their Keystone Con, but it was a pretty not great the first two years. So, um, it will be very interesting to see what happens with Fan Expo Philadelphia because, uh, you know, I mean, I'm wondering, uh, you know, New York Comic Con, I mean, we could, do a fill yeah. another hour just yeah. uh, well, I mean, about you know, what's going to happen. I but love, much as I love New York Comic Con, uh, not every show Reed Expo turns to gold. Yes. So we'll see. At least not the ones in this country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some so. do, some don't. We'll, we're we're going to see. No, uh, they've right never... now, every show is kind of uh, yeah. under yeah. under a pressure before yeah. we, we reach a point where people can actually feel comfortable going to them. Um, well, we'll so see. I'm sure next time, out. next time we're gathered here, we'll be talking about MegaCon and whether it was a super spreader event or not. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't see how it can not be. A, yeah, so we'll see if it was a super spreader event. So, so you guys, I think we've covered a lot of news, but uh, I guess I think it's. I think we need to wrap this up, right? Oh, sure. I think it's time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But as always, there will be more to come.